If you turn in your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 this morning. Jump around a little bit, but um, mostly we're going to be in Acts 13. In just a few verses there, um, Acts 13, we're going to look at verses 26 uh, through 28. Acts 13, verses 26 through 28. It says this, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham... And those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Thanks for these songs and the truth that's behind them, God, and help us. Help us this morning to not just see truth with our eyes, but to believe it with our hearts. As we sing these songs, as we look at your word, God, I just pray that you just do the supernatural inside of us and open our eyes, open our hearts, and God, help us to be true. Help us to be faithful. Help us to listen to you today, God. And help us to hear from you. God, help us to Whatever it is that may be interfering with our relationship with you right now, God, help us to surrender that to you. Help us to confess it. And help us to love you more than we love ourselves. And to want you more than we want anything else in this world. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it starts off uh, in this, this passage, and if you remember um, from a couple weeks back, if you were here, uh, we talked about, this is, uh, this is Paul's sermon. It's the first sermon from Paul, uh, and I'm getting a big signal from the back. If you are my son, or anyone else the age of my son, if you're kindergarten through uh, second grade, you can go to your class right now, and, uh, and your teacher will meet you in the back, back there, right? Very good. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, if you remember, though, um, this is Paul's sermon, the first one that we have written down from Paul. It's not his first sermon, but it's the first one we have that we can look at and see and read and all that. And so in the midst of this sermon is, is where we're jumping in today. And uh, verse uh, 26, it says, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God. And remember Francis last week, if you were here, um, talked about it. If you weren't here last week, would strongly encourage you to get on the website and download the sermon and listen to it. Um, just a, a powerful, powerful sermon. But, um, but remember he talked about at the beginning of the message last week about fearing God. And, and he talked about those passages from Psalm, Psalm 111 and, and Proverbs uh, chapter 1, where, where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of knowledge. And so just to remind us again, as we go into this today, it, it, we're going in from that perspective of number one, we have to fear God. We, we have to, and that's who he's talking about here, is we have to get this idea, that's the, we have to get this mindset of who God really is and who we really are in relation to that, okay? God is the one that's up there holding everything together, everything together, and so we're not that. We're the ones being held together. We're the ones that are being reigned over by God, okay? And so as we approach this message, and even as Paul's talking to these people, he's addressing them as saying, those of you who are uh, the sons of Abraham, the Israelites, right? 
And those of you who fear God, listen, all right? And he follows that up and says this. And actually, you know what? I want to I remind us of a verse that we've talked about a while ago in here. But um, just with that whole idea of fearing God, there's a verse in Isaiah 66, verse 2, uh, which is a powerful verse. If you've never read it, um, man, I encourage you to put this one to heart uh, because it says this. This is the one on whom I will look. It's God speaking, okay? This is the one to whom I will look. He who, has, um, he who is humble and contrite in spirit. Okay, now that's the part that we always think about, right? Well, who's God going to look at? The humble, uh, those that are contrite in spirit. Well, that's the way it starts, okay? This is the one in whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word, what the passage says. God's saying that. This is the one on whom I will look. This is who I'll give my attention to. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. That's a picture of fearing God. That's a picture of seeing God as who he really is. So that when we, when we hear his word, when we see his word written, whatever it is, our response is, God, you are God and I'm going to obey you just because you're God and you hold all things together. And so Paul is addressing and beginning uh, this section of the passage that way. And he says, those of you who fear God to us has been sent the message of this salvation. Now, if you remember the first part of this sermon, everything that Paul's talking to is uh, talking about, he's talking about things that happened in the Old Testament and how all of these things that were happening were pointing to one thing, Jesus Christ. All of those things were purposeful for one thing, to just scream, there is Christ coming. He's coming, he's coming. And so what he says is, um, those of you who fear God to us, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. He's, he's given this kind of celebratory and also um, caution as he says that. Number one, man, we should celebrate. There's a passage, if you'll turn to it in 1 Peter, just go to the right, almost towards the end of your Bible. What well, is towards the end of your Bible, if you're going to the right, but almost to the end of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Peter talks about the same, this same idea of, of the Old Testament prophets and, and, and the people of the Old Testament kind of looking ahead to the coming of Christ. And he says in verse 10, he says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So the way Peter puts it is all of the prophets, as, as, they, as they heard about this grace that was coming, they, they looked ahead. And what they realized was they were serving those ahead of them, those in front of them. And I was thinking about that this week and, and kind of trying to make that personal on a way lower level. But 
I thought about even our church and even pastoring the church. There's things that I look forward to in the future. There's things that I look ahead to. And there's things that, that you know, I think about, man, um, you know, remember Matt a, a month or so ago where he shared his testimony. I thought, man, I look forward to the time where someone can share their testimony of how Christ came into their life and changed them. And then can immediately get into the water and be baptized. I look forward to that because it's biblical and because it's what God has called us to do and and, and, and following him. And and just what a great celebration time that will be to say, man, this guy has found Christ. Christ has intervened in his life and then to immediately follow that with baptism or or or, or times of fellowship where we just hang out afterwards and and not have to tear down or whatever and 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 just hang out and just love on each other and and fellowship and all that i look forward to those times i look ahead to those times but i'm serving those times now i'm content i i'm, I'm totally content I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with what the Lord has provided. I, I, I love how God is working and moving, and I'm content and happy and, and joyful for where we're at. But what I'm doing is serving those things that are ahead. Does that make sense? And so in the same way, and yet on a huge scale, what Peter's saying is the prophets in the Old Testament, as they taught about Christ, as they spoke about Christ, as they, as they tried to fit it together, what they realized was is they were serving those in the future with what they were saying they didn't get to see christ they didn't understand then the everything that christ was going to go through and endure and all they didn't they didn't get the whole picture they didn't get to to look back on it and piece everything together and see how it all fit together and yet they served god and they prepared the way for christ and that's what paul has been talking about through this and 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 he kind of culminates that and says guys it's us we're the ones we're the ones who get to live in the time of grace through Jesus Christ. We're the ones that get to, to look at and see all that Christ did. It's so all these things that came up. We're the ones that are living in that time. To us has been sent the message of this salvation. Those in the past served it. And, and, and taught about it and lived for God and, and were saved by faith, believing, about, uh, believing in the things that were to come. But here we are living in the time of it and how we should, number one, we should celebrate that. Number one, we should be so joyful of that. But number two, how we should learn from that and how we should live by that, knowing that Christ came and suffered and died and lived among us as the son of God for us so that we could have forgiveness through the gift that he gives. And so Paul says to us, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. You have to imagine that all those people that are listening to him here, um, I mean, they're still waiting, right? At least a good percent of them are probably just, they're just waiting for the one who's to come. They've heard, they've seen the passages, they've, they've heard on the Sabbath as has been taught about this one who's going to come and set them free. And they're still waiting. And Paul says, no, 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 no. He came. The Messiah has come. Christ has come and he's done what God intended. And he goes on and explains that in verse 27. And really, this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. But it says this, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him as Christ, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them 
by condemning him. Now, this is a pretty awesome verse to me, uh, a pretty deep verse. I want us to think about the verse, okay? I'm going to read it again. I want you to think about this verse, and, and I want you to think in light of the sovereignty of God. And we use that word a lot. We use that, that word sovereignty a lot. It's, it's this. It's dominion. It's, it's, it's rulership. It's, it's, uh, it's power. Uh, that's what that idea of, of God being sovereign is. He's the ruler. He is the overall ultimate ruler. He has dominion over all things. Okay. And so in light of that idea of God's sovereignty, I want you to think through this verse and we're going to talk about it. But for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, they did not recognize Christ, nor understand the utterances of the prophets. What is that? What are the utterances of the prophets? Scripture, right? It's the scriptures, okay? And so they didn't, under, they didn't understand the scriptures and they didn't recognize Christ. But you read every Sabbath, the scriptures are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. What does this say about the sovereignty and dominion of God? Uh, let's think about that, okay? They didn't recognize Christ, okay? They didn't understand the scriptures, but they fulfilled the purpose of God. They didn't acknowledge Christ. They didn't, you went up to him, they didn't say, hey, I'm a Christian and that's, I'm serving God because I'm a Christian. They weren't. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't recognize Christ. They didn't even recognize that he was the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God. They didn't recognize him. And they didn't understand the scriptures that talked about him. They, didn't, they couldn't make sense out of that. And yet they fulfilled God's purposes. They served God. And my question and the title of the sermon this morning is just that. It's, it's this question, who will serve God? And it's not the, the old Sunday school question of who will serve God and the, those who are good and those who love Jesus and those who this. My answer is this, everyone. Every single person here, every single one of us, every single person is going to serve God. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you're talking about Philippians 2, where it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because on that one day when everyone sees him, we're all going to bow our knee because we can't help acknowledge that God is God. When we see God, we can't help but acknowledge that. And so you're talking about that, right? You're talking about when we come before him, then everyone's going to serve him by bow. I'm not talking about that. What I get out of this passage is those people who didn't recognize Christ... And those people that didn't understand the scriptures served him by putting Jesus to death. They served his plan. They did exactly what he had planned to do. And we've talked about that earlier in Acts. If you look through Acts, it's, it, it's, it's kind of this theme that keeps coming up. And, and, and like in chapter 4 where it, where it talks about that. They fulfilled the purposes of God by killing Jesus. And so I want to talk about what does it mean to serve God and how can we serve God? There's two ways I think that we can serve God. And the first one is this. We can serve God and bring him glory by fearing him and obeying his commands. We can serve God and bring him glory by fearing him and obeying his commands. There's a, there's a passage that some of you have probably memorized. The book of Ecclesiastes 
that book's kind of a, a wild book. If if you haven't read it, um, Solomon, who who you know we have the Proverbs, right? And and Solomon, you know, this wise, wise, wise man. And most of Ecclesiastes is what, what's the word that keeps coming up in Ecclesiastes? Somebody just yell it out. Someone just said it. What was it? vanity or meaningless exactly he he talks about man i've gotten all of these riches i've gotten all of this stuff i've acquired so much it's all vanity i have so much knowledge i've gained so much in that it's all vanity it's all meaningless and he ends up the, the 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 book of ecclesiastes in chapter 12 verse 13 he says the end of the matter all has been heard Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, some of you may have a translation that says this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the, um, this is the serving God, the one of the two that you want to be in, okay? Uh, number one, it, it, it's what, what I said. It's, you, we can serve God and bring him glory by fearing him and obeying his commands. That's what, what Solomon said the whole duty of man is. Fear God and keep his commands. It's what you were made to do. It's why we were created is to bring God glory and to obey him, to do what he's called us to do, which ultimately is to bring him glory. Right. And so that's our role. That's what we're called to do. And and, and this is the area you want to be in. Okay, this is how you want to serve God as we as we kind of get through these. We want to serve God this way. Number one, fear him. Just, just acknowledging and understanding who he is and, and who we are and, and, and who we are in his presence and how huge and how great and how magnificent, how wonderful, how loving and how powerful he really is. And fearing him, not just having respect like Francis said last week, it's not just, it's not just redefining the word fear and just saying, oh, it just means you have respect for him. No, no, no. It's understanding without him. I vanish, I explode, I don't exist anymore. I fear him because of who he really, really is. He's God, the God of the universe that holds everything together, Colossians 1 says. In him all things hold together. So the first way is by fearing him and obeying his commands. And I want to talk about that whole idea of obeying his commands, because what does that mean? Because there's a lot here, right? There's a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts and, and all of that. So does that mean, like, what are we saying? Is, is that then how I serve God is by doing everything this says to do and by don't doing everything uh, this says not to do? Well, what did Jesus say? Uh, what did he say the commands were? Remember in Matthew, turn to Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, some guy comes up to Jesus. The scribes come up to Jesus, actually. And this lawyer asks him a question in verse 36 of uh, Matthew 22. It says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? The great question. One we probably need to know the answer to. Verse 37, he says, Jesus answers and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he adds to it, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to this, on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. So all of the law, all of the commands hang on these two. If we can do these two, 
then we're going to cover everything else. Because if we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and we love, if I love you guys as much as I love myself, as much as I love myself, then I'm going to do all of those other things, right? And so here's the commands, all right? From Jesus, it's love God with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with all your strength, all your soul, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. John, he writes in, uh, in 1 John, he says this in, in chapter 3, verse 23. He says, uh, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Almost what Jesus is saying, just in different words, okay? And so here's the command, that we love God, that we love God and that we love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. But here's the verse I want you to, to notice. And maybe you never heard this verse before. Um, probably most of you have heard it. But in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John, he says this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Okay, you already said that, Tony, right? But the rest of the verse says this. And his commandments are not burdensome. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt, this isn't that hard. <laughs> These commandments aren't that hard. And I want us to think through that because that's Scripture. That's the truth. That's what Scripture is. It's the truth. Your word is truth, Jesus said. John 17, 17, he's praying and, and, and he says to God, God, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. And this is God's word and it says, that we obey his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. And so I want us to think, should these two commands, love God with your whole heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, should that be burdensome to us? I mean, genuinely, should that be a burden to us? I mean, if we, if we, if we come you know, from the very beginning, and, and number one, we fear God because of who he is, should it be a burden to us to love God? I mean, if we think about who God is, should that be a burden to us to love him? If we think about how, I mean, just to make a short list, number one, he loved me. He loves me first. Before I can ever possibly love him, he's madly in love with me. God loves me before i can even think to love him before i even know to love him before i even know how to love him before i even know who he is god loves me the god of the universe who created everything in one word boom created it loves me that same god who sits enthroned ruling and reigning sought me out like here i am just going through life and he sought me out he came after me that same god bought me at the price of his son he purchased my sins paid for them on the cross paid for my sins on the cross and he forgives me he forgives me like Every single day I do things to offend this God, this perfect, holy God. Every single day 
I do things that offend him, and he forgives me for them. He doesn't have to. He's not obligated. God's not obligated to do any of those things. He's not obligated. He wasn't obligated to create us. He wasn't lonely. He just did it because of his grace. Should it be hard for me to love that God? Should it be burdensome to me to love that God? And here's, here's what I want to contend, okay? When it is, and I know that it is, I know that there are times when you feel like this is, man, this is just difficult. This is hard. Here's what I'm going to contend is when it's hard for me to love God, when it's burdensome, when it's a burden for me to obey his commands, when it's a burden for me to follow him, I'm not. I'm not really doing it. I'm going through the motions. I'm putting on a show for you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it look really good for my kids that this is what a Christian looks like. But in my heart, if I get down to it, if it's a burden for me to think about God and to love him, I'm probably not. I'm probably loving myself, not God. I'm probably in it for myself and not for God. His commands are not burdensome. They're not. When we have a picture of who God is, when we, when we see and know God as God, it's not burdensome. I mean, strip away all those reasons, okay? Strip away that he loved me first and he sought me and he paid for me with the price of his son and, and, and he forgives me. Strip all of that away. He's still God. And it shouldn't be a burden for me to be unbelievably madly in love with the God of the universe, I remember the first time I ever went to Seattle, Washington, which I love uh, the state of Washington. But the first time I ever went was in college. I was in a band that traveled and went to churches and, and, and did stuff and songs. It's the stuff we did. Um, but uh, I remember the first time I went, we flew in at night into Seattle. If you've ever flown into Seattle, it's amazing if you can fly in during the daytime. Um, we flew in at night, so I didn't see anything. Stayed at a host home just down the street from the church. And my friend Paul and I, we get up and uh, we decide we're going to walk. I mean, it's like half a mile or three quarters of a mile, ten miles, who knows. Um, just up the street, right? And, and so we decide we're going to walk. It's a beautiful morning. We're going to walk to church. So we start up this hill. It's hilly in Seattle. Um, we start walking up this hill. And I'm talking to him. And I happen to just look over. Not knowing about this Mount Rainier thing. Like, I'd never seen it before. I grew up in West Virginia that has hills that we call mountains. And I've never seen anything like this. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This is like a sermon thing or anything. I literally look over and I, it took my breath away. Because here is this enormous, huge ser- uh, sermon. What in the world? Gosh. I lost track mountain Mount Rainier man this this huge mountain that's like filling the sky and I lost my breath for a second and and here's the thing Paul didn't have to look at me and say hey that's beautiful and he didn't have to look at me and say that's majestic and he didn't have to look at me and say hey you're pretty small compared to that He didn't have to say anything like when I looked over, I immediately knew (laughs) like I got the point. That is unbelievable. That is majestic. It's it's wonderful. It's beautiful. I am nothing 
Like I'm so tiny. Mount Rainier is 14,000 and some feet high and it just explodes out of the earth. And I'm like five feet high and I don't explode out of the earth. And, and like I'm, I, it, was, it was pretty easy for me to kind of get, I'm not very big compared to that. And it put me in my place right away. No one had to tell me. No one had to teach me. I just understood that is majestic. And it's beautiful. And that's the way it is with God. You multiply that by a gazillion and that's God. When we really see God as God, when we really understand who God is, no one has to shake us and say, hey, that's beautiful. That's that's power. That's majestic. That's holy. That's that's amazing. That's incredible. And by the way, you're not very big in front of him. No one has to tell me that. No one has to teach me that. When I see God as God, really as God, I'm instantly, instantly in the position of I am nothing. And you are everything. And I'm in instantly in the position of I love you. And I want you because you're the greatest, greatest treasure I could ever find. You're the greatest treasure I could ever have. That's the mindset that just instantly overcomes us when we really see God. And so if, if, if his commands are burdensome, then I really, I, my challenge to you is let's take a step back first and see if, see if you're looking at God or if you're looking in the mirror. If this is really about you or if it's really about God. Because if my mind and my heart is thinking and seeing and dwelling on God, then I don't have any problem realizing who I really am and who God really is. And so we serve God by bringing him glory and as we fear him and obey his commands. But there's another way we can serve God. And that's what we see in this passage in Acts 13. The second way that we can serve God is we can serve God God and bring him glory as he displays his wrath. Now that challenges some of us, okay? Because man, you say that word and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, we can't, you can't say that God's wrath is glorious. How can you say that God's wrath is glorious? How can you say that God's wrath is, is, is it reveals his glory? Well, don't say that it doesn't, okay? Number one, it's a part of God. And Psalm 119, verse 68 says, the Lord is good and does good. Some translations say that the, the you are good and what you do is good. God, you are good and everything you do is good. Because you're God and you are good. But think for a minute, what does his wrath reveal about him? What does God's wrath reveal about God? Number one, it reveals his holiness, right? That he's completely set apart, that no sin can come into his presence. He's so holy, he's so perfect, he's so set apart from us that no sin can come before him. And the idea of sin ticks him off. The second thing that it reveals about him is his perfect justice. That he's perfectly just. If he's God, he has to be perfectly just. And so his wrath reveals his glory in that he has to judge sin because he's perfectly just. And so he has to judge sin. And he's perfect in that. And he's good in that. 
He's glorious in that. It doesn't take away from the beauty of God. It, it increases the power of God. It increases the holiness of God. It's a result of that holiness. It's a result of his justice. And so the second way we can serve God is by bringing him glory as he reveals his wrath. That's what's happening here. I mean, you have to think through this verse. I mean, we can't just ignore that. But what does it say? Here these people, because, because they did not recognize Christ and because they didn't understand the utterances of the prophets, they didn't understand the scripture, because of that, they fulfilled the scriptures. They fulfilled God's word and God's word is his purpose. God's word is his will. He spoke it. He's the one that started it. He's the one that said it. He's the one that said it would happen. And they fulfilled that. Just in case you're wondering, like, this part of the sermon, this isn't the area we don't want to serve God in, all right? This isn't like multiple choice, and this is what you want to do. This isn't, you know, and this is a good plan, too. Guys, this is not where we want to be. And yet we see in Scripture that there are some who serve God. They still serve Him. But they're serving Him as they reveal His glory through His wrath, and that's just not where we want to be. These people didn't recognize Christ. They didn't understand the scriptures, but they still fulfilled them. This is the point. God is going to be glorified, period. That's the point. He's going to be glorified and he's going to be served because he's God. He's holding everything together. You know, I I, I thought about that last week and Francis and I were talking afterwards and and that whole Colossians one where it says, you know, he's he's he reigns over all of those things and he holds all those things together. But we forget about that. I think he mentioned it in the sermon uh, last week about it has that word principalities there. Right. Which is the angels, those in the heavenly realm, which includes who Satan. Right. That God holds him together. He doesn't have to. He can stop holding Satan together. But this passage says he holds Satan together. He keeps him. Keeps him going. He keeps him doing the things that he's doing. God does that. And he's glorious. He's good. It's, 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 and it's, it's tough for us to think that. It's tough for us to, to understand that God can still be good and be in control of everything and there's evil and there's satan but he's good because he's god and he's good because he's doing all of it to bring our attention our attention to the greatest thing that our eyes our mind our hearts could ever comprehend god he does all of it so that we'll just see who he is and so that he'll be glorified through us obeying him and fearing him for his glory we don't want to serve god that way and so man if 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 you find yourself in that spot i mean honestly if if you know there's some of you i know because i've been in this spot before we're just so used to coming in and out of church in and out of church in and out of church and if you get down to it if you pin yourself down the truth is you don't love god you don't have any feelings for him whatsoever just just emptiness and like i just am i'm so used to doing this stuff i'm so used to going to church i'm so i don't want my i could never let my parents know what's going on inside of me my dad 
He raised me to be this kind of a man. I can never let my parents know that. I can never let my, my siblings, I can never let my spouse, I can never let these people in my life know the truth about what's going on inside of me. There's emptiness. And I'm serving God to reveal his wrath because I'm just going through motions. I have no heart for him whatsoever. It doesn't bother me when I sin. It bothers me when I get caught. It doesn't bother me when I, when I do things that I know God doesn't want me to do. It just bothers me when people catch me in it. So I feel guilty because I don't like them to see me that way. Man, if you find yourself in that spot, what do you do? What do you do? How do you, how do you get out of that? I mean, how do you... Number one, it's... Again, we've got to start and back up. And, and, and number one thing I'd encourage you is... Man, get a picture of who God really is and start fearing that. Start fearing the fact that you're going to stand before him. I, I don't know when. I don't know how many days we have. I don't know how many years we have. I don't know, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I mean, I could be pretty old right now. I could. I mean, this could be the last year of my life. It could be the last week of my life. I have no idea. Like God's, God's sovereign over that. I just don't know. I could be pretty old right now. I could be pretty young right now. You could be pretty old right now. You could be pretty young right now. You don't know. I mean, you really don't know how old you are. In the scheme of things, you have no idea if this is the oldest you're going to get. And so you're really old or if you just got years and years to go. You don't know. So get that perspective of, man, I'm going to stand before this creator. I'm going to stand before this God. And he's, he's pretty big. He's pretty powerful and he's not going to let sin in. He's not going to make an excuse and just say, you can come on in. I'm, I'm going to make an exception for you. No, there has to be forgiveness. And that forgiveness can only come through Jesus Christ. You know, earlier in, in the book of Acts, um, people asked the same question. What do we do? I mean, we're, we're the people you're talking about. So what in the world do we do? And when Peter preached, remember that powerful sermon where he guys points them out and says you killed him you're the ones that killed jesus what do you think's coming for you <laughs> i mean just harsh harsh words and their response was pretty much what we're talking about here what do we do what do we do to escape this wrath what do we do to escape this punishment and he just he gave a really simple answer in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 it said peter said to them repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And if that's not you, and, and I, I don't want you to get an idea from this that it's just something you do. It's not at all. It's not what Peter's teaching here. It's, it's exactly following up what Jesus taught. It's following Christ. And this is just the first step in following him. It's not something that you just pray a prayer or you get baptized and all of a sudden you're, you're saved and you can do whatever you want forever. No, no, no. It's, it's following. Remember, it's the whole duty of man is to fear God and to obey his commands. It's following Jesus, living for Jesus, glorifying him through the way we live and, and how we reflect him. Remember, Francis talked about that last week and how we reflect him to the world. But it's first fearing him and trusting that Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the one that came. And we're the ones that he came and, and, and died for. 
died for so that we can have forgiveness and that his blood was the the payment for these sins that i keep committing that his blood was the sacrifice for these sins that i keep doing over and over and over again that he paid for those so that i could be forgiven for those if you've never done that if you're just going through the motions still i hope today i hope today that you're not too prideful to say i'm really in need right now I'm really, really desperate for grace right now. I'm really, really, really in trouble. And Jesus Christ is my only way out. And if that's you, I would love to talk to you after the service. If you can't wait till after the service, that'd be awesome. Just grab me while they're singing and we'll go out and, and talk and someone um, will lead you and, and talk with you and, and encourage you and how you can pray and, and all those things to begin this life with Christ, following Christ, living with Him. And Francis talked about that and having Christ, the power of God inside of us just, just blows our mind. I mean, just to think that we have that. I'm going to pray and, and uh, we're going to worship some more. But man, if that's you today, um, I encourage you, make this the first step that you're walking with Christ. And, and if not, man, if, it's, if you're the ones in number one where I know there's many of you, I, I, man, there's so many of you, I just, I'm so thankful how I see this lived out in your life. But you fear God and you're obeying His commands, then keep going. And, and by the power of God living through you, do it more and more and more and more. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. And Father, thank you so much for your grace that there's no person here that has to stay in that second group. If you're calling them, if you're working in them right now, that means you're saying, come, come to me, come to Jesus, come to forgiveness, come to life. And if there's any person here that's feeling that right now, I pray for humility, God. I know what it is like. I know that feeling of, of being too prideful to step forward and admit that we don't know you. I know that feeling. So God, I pray for them. I pray for every single person here that you would allow us, God, and, and even cause us to love you more than life, to treasure you above all things, to see you as the God of the universe who is so beautiful, so majestic, so powerful, so holy. And God, cause us to, to respond to you as you are to be responded to, to fear you, to believe you, to know that your words are truth. Give us faith to believe those things, Lord. And then the faith to follow you with our very life. And fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, so that we can do that. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how you teach us, and I thank you for how you stretch us, and, and how you keep stretching our picture of you, because there's no end to you. We don't want to be satisfied with this little Sunday school picture we used to have, God. Thank you for growing us and stretching our picture of who you really are. God, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.